calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 114. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction audio podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. So, word on the street is that the Hubble Space Telescope is getting a makeover. You hear about this? Well, you're about to. In a little segment we call Drabble News. Check this. Thanks to listener Adam for shooting this our way. From space.com. Now after 19 years orbiting hundreds of miles above Earth's surface, the Hubble Space Telescope is getting its fifth and final makeover, with a slate of new instruments and repairs scheduled that will restore and expand some of the iconic telescope's capabilities. The astronaut crew that will give Hubble its tune-up will launch aboard the space shuttle Atlantis on May 11th for an 11-day mission. The excitement over the mission and Hubble's capabilities afterwards is palpable among NASA scientists. Oh, if we're successful, we will be more powerful and robust than ever before, and will continue to enable world-class science for at least another five years," said Ed Weiler, Associate Administrator of NASA's Science Mission Directorate in Washington, D.C. So what's getting tricked out on Hubble anyways? Well, for one, its Space Imaging Spectrograph Telescope is getting updated, and its Advanced Camera for Surveys, the ACS, which has been hobbled in recent years. But that's not all. (laughs) Oh no. That would have been fine back in the day, but we're the MTV generation, baby. We're going full stop on that mother, yo. All out. America can't have no shabby satellite floating round up there. Especially since competition is still so tight in the space race with Russia. What? You didn't know that was still going on? (laughs) You thought that junk was finished, son? Oh, hell no. That mess is just getting started. (laughs) 
Yo, Russia, it's me, your arch nemesis. We the G's overseas with Mickey D stains on our tees. With luxuries like you wouldn't believe. We got more ringtones on our iPhones than China's got Chinese. We're America, Biatch, the land of the free. We gave you Michael Bolton and Jurassic Park 3. Our soccer teams suck and our beers taste like pee pee. But our rhymes are so fat they get type 2 diabetes. But enough about us. How come you ain't been calling me? I guess you're trying to stabilize your volatile economy. Preoccupied nationwide with new domestic policy. Psych. Yeah, right. I know you trying to follow me. You've been disgraced in the space race. Trying to save face after coming in second place. Just another taste. Victory. Chase history. Ace Kennedy. But you lost pace with your enemy. And now you're laying low. Plotting for as long as we known ya. You try to hold your head up like Neil Armstrong didn't pwn ya. That secret space ride that you're trying to hide isn't something I would publicize with any pride. I'll tell you why. We be pimping the Hubble tonight. Put them 20 inch rims on spinning round round. Got the chrome on the dubs, got the subs, dumping bass New spectrograph camera taking pictures of space Got tricked out subsystems, bouncing hydraulics Don't need any of it, it's purely symbolic Step up your product, you gotta get on it Cause we be ballin' with the telescope that rules Even harder than Lenin or Stalin Don't fight us, our shit is tightest The satellite is always packed with cuties and booties That are delighted, screaming we are so excited You got that right, cause you in orbit on a craft that's unrivaled What you got, Russia, what you been launching? Lately, some hoopty ass Sputnik looking thing, second rate, like your older sister Debbie, who I took on a date to the Golden Corral. When the bill came, I made her pay. Oh, silly me, I left my wallet in my cabriolet. I ordered steak, hope that's okay. Now go away, cause you look like Kathy Bates on a bad day. Blase, even put your satellite to shame. Had enough, I can mix it up again. I can flip it, I can rip it any way you want, motherland. You can't cope, cause our telescope's so dope. You know there's no hope, and of the rope end of the show go home thanks for playing russia here's some stories for the road and don't forget your coat when you go cause it's so damn cold back home all that snow like 23 degrees below here we go we be pimping the hubble tonight put them 20 inch rooms on spinning round right got the chrome on the doves got the subs thumping bass new spectrograph camera taking pictures of space got tricked out subsystems bouncing hydraulics don't need any of it it's purely symbolic step up your product you gotta get on it cause we be bottom with a telescope that rules even harder than Lenin or Stalin. We be pimping the Hubble tonight. Put them 20 inch rims on, spinning round right. Got the foam on the doves, got the subs, dumping bass. New spectrograph camera taking pictures of space. Got tricked out subsystems, bouncing hydraulics. Don't need any of it. It's purely symbolic. Step up your product. You gotta get on it, cause we be bottom with a telescope that rules even harder than Lenin or Stalin. USSR, where you at? Don't hate the player, hate the game, Russia. Can't wait for the MTV reality show on this one. That hubizzle's gonna look to zite, yo. Uh, anyway, there's a link to that song in our show notes if you want to download it for free or send it to the KGB. And I've got a CD for sale at normsherman.com if anybody's interested. <clears throat> anyway, 100 word story time. This week's Drabble is called Happy Ending by Michael Young, who's had several hundred-word Drabble stories on our show so far. So, hope you enjoy. He watched her across the cafeteria, knowing she was unobtainable. He loved her more deeply than any teenage geek ever loved a prom queen. She met his gaze and grimaced. At the end of the day, he boarded his school bus 
she breezed into a red convertible. The terrorist triggered the explosives. The blast shredded the bus and the boy's body. His still-conscious head landed in the grass. He saw his hand arc through the air to land in her lap. She took his hand in hers. He could feel the warmth of her touch, and he smiled. Michael says he honestly started with the intent to write a drabble with a happy ending, and this was the result. No need to recommend therapy, he knows. Our feature story this week is called Arms and the Man by Mary Terzillo. Mary is a Nebula-winning writer who has one novel, An Old-Fashioned Martian Girl, serialized in Analog. She recently returned from Italy, where she ate lots of calamari. Check out her blog and website at maryterzillo.com. So without further ado, Arms and the Man by Mary Terzillo. Courtney had never considered squid love before. She was an accountant for a Chicago restaurant chain and not really looking. After a bitter, acrimonious divorce, Courtney was burned out on romance. Then she met Mario. Usually, Courtney worked out at a local racket club, but tired of the yuppie crowd and designer lycra and $500 athletic shoes, she decided to go bowling. Mario caught her eye at once. Holding the bowling ball in three tentacles, he had a hard time slithering forward fast enough to give the ball momentum, but his superior coordination helped him score many a strike. Mario noticed her, too. He suctioned over and asked her to join him for a cold drink. His accent was educated, but not pretentious, with a touch of Romano. He wore only bowling shoes. A naked squid ordinarily would have embarrassed Courtney, but the lack of expensive polo shirt seemed refreshing. So what do you do? she asked. Colors rippled across Mario's hide, and he dipped a tentacle into his odules. I'm a professional bowl player. A bowler? If he could do that to a bowling ball, what could he do for her? Oh, no, I am an outfielder for the Cicero Cephalopods, just minor league. And you? They found much in common, despite the difference in phylum, but Courtney was determined not to be swept off her feet, and it wasn't until the third date that she invited him into her apartment. He seemed so shy. She helped him out of the little plastic jacket he wore, something like the wrapping on those freeze-dried Japanese snacks. And then he wrapped his arms around and around and around and around and around her. Caramia, said he. Calamari, said she. He turned on her CD player and gathered her closer. I'll never let you go, he murmured, and they swayed with a medley of tunes from South Pacific, Yellow Submarine, and Handel's water music. She found him different, tender, enveloping. 
Later, as she pried his suction cups off her abdomen, she asked, Have you ever tried it in a swimming pool before? Mario blew a puff out of his siphon. No, but for you, I'll do chlorine. Three months later, she moved in with him. Then one night, she came home early and discovered him in the bidet, wrestling with a starfish. I thought we had something special, she said. The starfish coolly slipped back into her Gucci's. I see I am intruding, she said. Ciao, Mario. See you at the club. Is it over between us, Mario? Courtney asked. Mario looked stricken. I didn't want to tell you. We can never have children. The female in our matings dies ten days after the birth. I thought that was only octopi. Would I lie to you? Here, call my mother. She's a doctor. But Mario's indiscretions grew more frequent. First, it was the identical twin swimming coaches at his club. Courtney wondered if perhaps Mario wanted someone with more limbs. Still, even those girls had only eight. Suspicious egg sacs appeared in the bathtub, and then, as he grew bolder, in the condo swimming pool. His team manager caught him fondling nine women in the stands as he caught a highball with one tentacle. When Courtney discovered that the entire Los Angeles Aquarium was naming him in a paternity suit, she knew she'd had it. Eat your heart out, he said, cold-bloodedly. I'd rather eat yours, she snapped. He had seemed so tasteful, so tender. And he was tender and tasty. As she finished the last of his delectable mantle, tears fell in her cocktail sauce. She saved his pen and beak in a glass float, like the ones they have in tacky seafood restaurants. Months later, she called Mario's mother. Oh, that Mario, said the mother. I had told him oral sex would be the death of him. What a sucker. Courtney was deeply moved that the mother would forgive her. Oh, said the mother. It was only a matter of time. He was a brief thumbstall squib. Uh, they do make excellent eating. Years later, Courtney's children found the glass float hidden away among some old bowling shirts and fishnet stockings. Looks like a sentimental keepsake, said Calvin. Looks like mom was a seafood lover, said Clarissa. They shook tentacles on that. You should have seen the other squid story she sent us. Whew. Anyway, that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's catch up on some story feedback from a couple weeks ago. The Wicked Witch Looks at 40 Decades by Janet E. Seaver. Not a lot of people commented on this story, although the people that did seem to really like it. Strawman said, This week's episode gets my vote for top overall. 
great story, and a great top-notch drabble by Zach Alexander, in which I found another argument for the existence of God and the fact that Gregorian chant sounds so awesome in outer space. Janet Seaver's story was excellent, right down to the astute observation that children taste much more like pork barbecue than beef barbecue. Devorah said, Ah, career change can be such a bitch, especially if you have to give up delicacies like, say, children served with Bernays sauce. Fantastic story puts Martha in a whole new light. Rish Outfield from the Steve podcast said, What a great story. Made me laugh. It made me nostalgic. And, most disturbingly, it made me hungry. Actually could have used a second helping on this one. Kudos. We like hearing feedback on the show, as do our authors, I'm sure. So feel free to join our discussion forums, give us your thoughts, make friends with other people who like the show, or just weird, cool stuff in general. Like Mr. Tweedy, who helps moderate our forum, draws artwork for the show, and is this week's TwitFic winner for our weekly contest. If you're our friend on Twitter, you got it. Magna Pinna, baby. If you don't know what that is, look it up, son. Anyways, you can find a link to our forums off our main page at www.drabblecast.org, where you can also find a feed that you can subscribe to of the show in standard MP3 format, a place where you can buy Drabblecast merchandise, like seasons 1 through 3 of the show on CD, and Drabblecast t-shirts. And most importantly, a place where you can drop a couple bucks, or a couple hundred bucks, if you got the means, playa, to help support us. Your support helps us with the costs of running the show, which entail licensing music, buying special effects, web hosting, and, most importantly, paying our authors fairly. I'd say that each weekly episode of the Drabblecast costs us anywhere between 40 to 75 bucks to produce on average. And listener support averages out to about 25 or 30 bucks a week, so we can always use the help. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license, which means you can share it, but you can't change it or sell it without dying 10 days after its birth. We'll see you next week, people. Until then, our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you, for you, we'll do chlorine. closing hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.